Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, my name's Clayton, pastor here at Central, and I'm so glad you guys are with us this, this morning. Hey, if you're watching online, uh, we're so glad that you've joined us as well. And for everybody that's either watching online or here in this room, um, you can follow along with today's message by uh, getting the, the notes off this QR code right now, or if you have the, the new Central app, um, you can always have the notes every single week, and I encourage you to, to download that. You know, you can do that right now if you want to. But we are in the middle, just like that video showed, we're in the middle of this series called the Micah Manifesto. And a manifesto is just simply kind of a statement of, of what you're all about. And that's kind of the question for us is what is our life all about? And last week, we, we jumped right into it, and we talked about how God wants us to act justly. And I'll just tell you this morning, God wants us to, to go on to the next part of this verse that we're talking about in Micah, and that is to, to show mercy. And so these, both of these things are foundational parts of God's character, and we need to look at them a little bit deeper today. And so we're going to jump right into this verse in Micah chapter 6. Um, we're going to be in this just real briefly today. We're actually going to be in Luke chapter 6, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. But let's look at what this foundational verse has to say. God says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? And the question kind of is talking about what happened previously in this passage when Micah is just kind of in an exaggerated tone. He's saying, should we offer a thousand rams or 10,000 rivers of oil or our firstborn kid to make ourselves right with God? What does God want from us? And this is what God says. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to act justly. And I want you to love mercy. And I want you to walk humbly with me. That is what God wants from us. Now this word mercy, we're going to kind of land on this morning. This word mercy in the Hebrew, it's hard for us to understand it in English. Sometimes the original languages, it's hard for us to translate into English. But this word mercy, your Bible might say something different like loyal love or loving kindness or steadfast love. It's kind of hard to, to say. It's kind of like God saying, I want you to love love. I want you to love loving kindness. I want you to love mercy. I want you to, to love a steadfast kind of love. And this kind of love is not the kind of love that we're used to because for all of us, we're used to kind of a, a balanced form of love. For example, you love your pet because they show affection to you, right? If you had a dog that was just like a cat, like mean all the time, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> then, then you go, you know, I, I, just don't, I just don't like that thing, you know? But they show love to you in return, and you have this balanced kind of, of love. You love a food because of how it tastes, right? So you don't love food that tastes bad. You love a romantic partner because that person treats you with love. You love things like your car and your job and your, your home and your, your community because of what they provide for you. It's this balanced kind of love. And this is not the kind of love that God is talking about. You see, to love mercy is to freely and willingly show kindness to others regardless of what you get back in return. And that's a hard thing to think about. 
So just like last week, we talked about how God wants us to be like him. And the best way for us to understand what that means is to look at Jesus, his son. If we want to know what God is like, we need to look at Jesus. So the big question for us today is, what is Jesus like? How many of you guys have ever seen a picture of Jesus? No, but no, we haven't seen pictures of Jesus, but we've, we've made pictures of him. And in fact, I've got some on the screen I want to show you, some pictures that we have of Jesus. What is he like? So here's this first picture. Have you ever seen this one? Okay, I've had this one growing up. I had a little small, small a picture of, of this Jesus. Um, I call this the classic Jesus, okay? I had him in my bathroom, and so that's just kind of my, my view of what Jesus uh, might have looked like. And so we have this version of Jesus. Here's, here's another one. I like this one. I call this lipstick Jesus, okay? So, so man, he's, he's looking good, you know? Got the makeup all done. This is, this is from several, several hundred years ago, a painting of what they thought Jesus might have looked like. Or how about, how about this next one? Okay, I call this hippie Jesus. Okay, so this hippie Jesus just kind of, you know, wearing just normal, you know, just, just some rags and not kind of, kind of dirty and just got the long hair and everything, just kind of carefree. That's hippie Jesus. Okay, here's another one. This is The Chosen Jesus. Everybody watch The Chosen? Okay, so if you've seen The Chosen, which I highly recommend, by the way, um, they're not sponsoring this, uh, this sermon, but, you know, if they want to, that's fine. Okay, so The Chosen uh, Jesus, uh, I love that, uh, but that's the eyes you see right there. Um, this one right here I call Blue-Eyed Jesus, okay? So, you know, Blue-Eyed Jesus, this, one, this, this Jesus has got it going on, looks, you know, everything's perfect in his life, okay? Um, here's another one. Okay, this is, I call the model Jesus. Okay, so this guy could be Jesus or in the front of a magazine or whatever. So that's, you know, the perfect model Jesus. Uh, how about this one? Got the black Jesus. Okay, so there's, hey, in some churches, um, that is the pictures they have of what Jesus looks like. So, you know, it might, be, it might be the black Jesus. We don't know. Okay, what about this next one? This is called uh, the Jesus film Jesus. Okay, have everybody seen the Jesus film that went around many decades ago all around the world in all these different languages Millions of people came to faith in Christ because of the message coming through this, this film. And so this is the, the Jesus film, Jesus. Uh, how about this one? This is the, uh, the Passion of the Christ Jesus. So this is uh, Jim Caviezel, the actor. And so if you've ever seen that awesome movie, um, you can see that's what they predicted Jesus looked like. But look at this next one. This next one I call Perm Jesus, okay? So... <laughs> Man, it's got the perfect hair. I mean, it looking good. I'm just super jealous, and I don't know who, who painted that, but good job on the perfect hair Jesus, the perm hair Jesus. Okay, and this final one, um, this final picture, this is actually a, a uh, computerized version of what they think a, a typical man in the first century Palestine, first century um, Israel looked like. Of that day. And so this came out about a decade ago, and they think, man, if Jesus was to look like a normal guy back then, then possibly he looked like that. Now, why do I show you all those pictures? I think it's because, in some ways, we have painted Jesus to be just like us. You know? So in the Middle Ages, they painted Jesus to look like a European guy, you know? We think of Jesus as this Western, Americanized uh, kind of guy with the long hair for some reason. I don't know. But we've painted Jesus to look like us. And the question for us is, are we doing the same thing? Not in a picture or not in a painting, but have we made Jesus to be like us in our actions or our intentions? 
Or the real question is, are you trying to conform Jesus to look like you? Or are you being formed into his image? And that is the big question that we have to answer today. And the, the best way to do that is to look at Jesus and say, what was he like? To figure that out, we got to look at the way he, he loved people. Specifically, when we're talking about loving mercy. How did Jesus love people? How did, how did he teach us about love? And how did he show affection towards other people? And I think as we investigate today in Luke chapter 6, we're going to find out exactly what Micah is talking about when God says, here's what I want from you. I want, I want you to love mercy. So Luke chapter 6, Jesus teaches us exactly what love looks like. Here's what he says. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, are you willing to listen? He says, hey, listen up. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. That's tough. If someone slaps you on one cheek, you offer the other cheek also. And if someone demands your coat, you offer your shirt also. And give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. And if you love or if you do good and if you lend money, are you doing that? And I kind of shortened that because he's saying, are you doing those things just because you can get something back in return? Because that's what everybody does. It makes you no different than anybody else. And he goes on and concludes and says this, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the most high for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And he finishes and says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And so I just wanted to simplify this in the, the most basic way for us today to summarize everything that Jesus just said. And here's what he said. Don't be a jerk, okay? That's pretty much what Jesus is saying to all of us. Don't be a jerk. In fact, we, can, we, we do that all the time. We, we are, a lot of times we're just jerks to our friends. I mean, I think about when I was in middle school, I had this buddy of mine. His name was Chad, and, and we uh, used to hang out all the time. We lived five blocks apart, and we went to different churches. I went to the First Baptist Church in town. It was a big church, and so he'd come to church with me sometimes, and I would go to his church sometimes. And he had this, he was at the, a part of this little tiny church. It was like the size of one of these little sections over here, and so I'd go to his, his church sometimes, and we would hang out. And I was over at his house. He was over at my house, and, and but then after a while, like, he just started treating me like a jerk. And I was just, I, I was done with it. In fact, he was doing that to all of our friends. And we had to get to the point where like, we just can't handle this anymore. I don't understand why you're acting the way you're acting. I mean, we're supposed to be hanging out together. We're supposed to be friends. And I guess that's just middle school, isn't it? I mean, it happens to everybody um, in middle school. And probably a lot of people might be able to say the same thing about me when I was in middle school. Like, I, I was friends with this Clayton, guy named Clayton, but man, he's just a big jerk. But, but really, if you think about this passage in this this manifesto that Micah has for us and what Jesus is saying right here, he's not just talking about the friends we have, but really it's talking about our enemies. Don't be a jerk even to your enemies. And if anything that this passage teaches us, it teaches us, us that we will have enemies. Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're, you might have enemies or there's a possibility you're gonna have enemies. He says, hey, when you have enemies, you're supposed to love them. 
And here's how you're supposed to treat them. Now, I know everything's going on around the world. It's pretty crazy right now. I think about Ukraine and Russia and the fighting that's going on over there. And, man, it's just a, a terrible thing. And I don't understand all of it. I don't know what's propaganda coming over here or what's truth coming over here. But, man, it is an awful situation. And you feel for the Ukrainian people. You feel like, man, if I was in their position, I would, I would act a certain way. Like, I would want to fight. I would not want to love my enemies. I would want to, to go into battle against them. And, and God actually tells us that there's a, there's a time for that and there's a time for something else. I mean, look what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says. It says, for everything, there's a season. There's a time for every activity under heaven. And then for the next seven verses, it kind of describes different times. And then verse 8, it says, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. There are situations in this life, when you think about that, that situation going on, on this side of the world, where it's a time to fight. But for most of us, we have a choice when it comes to our enemies. We have a choice to, to treat them differently, to love them in Jesus' name, and to, to show them that Jesus changes everything, even my heart towards you. And so if we were to look back at, at Luke chapter 6, here's what I'd like to do today is, all those, that whole passage you just read, I'm gonna go back and just kind of, let's just break it apart and see how, if Jesus can teach us exactly how we're supposed to love mercy. Look back at verse 27. Jesus says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So let me just simply kind of make a statement of this is what I think Jesus is saying. He's saying, love those who make you mad, Right? I mean, those who make you mad, love them regardless. And that's not natural. It's not natural to do that. But if you will submit your will, which is your will being what you want to do, if you submit it to what God wants you to do, then it, everything kind of changes. Your perspective changes. And so instead of getting even with that person who makes you mad, you want to love them in return. And that's what Jesus says. Hey, your enemies, those that make you mad, love them. Look at verse 28. He says, bless those who curse you. What I think Jesus is saying here is that we're supposed to be a blessing to the haters. Got any haters in your life? You ever heard the phrase, kill them with kindness? You know, what, is, what does that phrase mean, to kill them with kindness? Well, it doesn't mean to literally kill them, right, with, with kindness, but it means to kill the hate in them through the way that you treat them. That when you're in conflict and they provoke you, you respond with something different. Not a natural reciprocal relationship, but you, you respond to them with kindness and politeness. In fact, the Bible talks about that and tells us that we're supposed to do that. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says. He says this, don't repay evil for evil and don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. That's natural. It's what you want to do. But he says, don't do that. Instead, Pay them back with a blessing. That sounds completely foreign to how things should be in, in our lives. It's how like, we should want to get even, okay? It's how we naturally are. But he says, don't do that. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And guess what? He, he's going to grant you his blessing as well. That's a radical lifestyle. But that is the Christian lifestyle. That's kind of what Micah is talking about, about loving mercy, is to do things a little bit different than what the rest of the world tells us to do. Now look at the rest of verse 28. Jesus says, pray for those who hurt you. So, I mean, I, I dug into the Greek here and tried to figure out what in the world 
is Jesus really intentionally saying? And this is what I found out. Jesus is saying, genuinely pray for those who hurt you. Like, that's it, okay? There's nothing special about that. There's nothing profoundly different in the original language. He's just saying, hey, pray for those who hurt you. Those who treat you poorly, you pray for them. And so the, the, the real question for us is, check your prayer list. If you have a prayer list of people you pray for, is it just your family and your friends? Is it just your wants and your needs? Or are you praying for those who have hurt you? How about this? Those who have hurt your family, those who have hurt your kids, your grandkids, your friends, those who have, have messed up your life, have you prayed for them? Now, here's the deal. You can't pray for like lightning bolts, okay? Not to come down on them. Like you need to pray not for lightning, lightning bolts, but for the light of Christ to come down in their lives. Because you know what? Jesus did that, didn't he? I mean, he prayed for his enemies. He genuinely prayed for them. Luke chapter 23, Jesus says this. He says, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. He says, in the middle of him hanging on the cross, of blood uh, coming down his face, as he's been whipped, he is the Jim Caviezel, the passion of the Christ Jesus in that moment. And he's saying, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing and I'm forgiving them. I'm genuinely praying for them. That's what God has called us to do. Don't be a jerk. Love people even if they mistreat you. That's what the Bible is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. And so we can live out this Micah manifesto to, to love mercy by doing that. But I think Jesus also teaches us one other thing. And he gives us, he goes on in this passage to teach us as an, as an example of being disrespected. So look what he says here in Luke chapter 6, verse 29. He teaches us to let our faith, not our feelings, guide us. He teaches us that, you know, instead of letting your feelings be what, what drives you, let your faith be what drives you. Luke chapter 6, verse 29, he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer them the other cheek also. So what is that talking about in that culture? Well, in that culture, if someone came up to you and took the back of their hand and slapped you across the face, that was a huge insult. And the natural reaction would be to, to pay them back. But Jesus is saying, he's saying when someone insults you like that and disrespects you and slaps you across the face, you turn the cheek so they can come back and hit you a second time. And that just doesn't seem right. But Jesus is teaching us here that we need to learn to take some punches as Christians. As believers in Christ, we got to be able to take some punches. And that's, that's weird. I get that. But because I honestly, I want to hit someone back. If someone hits me, if someone hurts me, I want to get even with them. But I think the reason is, is because the light is on the wrong person in our lives. Anybody ever been to a boxing match or watch one on TV? I mean, they're, they're in the ring and they're like MMA and they're going around and where are all the lights? The lights are focused right in on that situation. Nowhere else, the situation is, is focused right there and these guys are, are battling it out and when someone hits the other one in the face, what does that other person want to do? The other person realizes that the the light is on them, okay? Everybody is focused on them in their fight, and they want to get back at them. It's a, it's a fight. It's a, it's a brawl. And in our lives, we do the same thing sometimes. We have this pride issue where, for our lives, the focus is on us. The light is not on God in our lives. It is on us, and we want other people to see us in a certain light. And so when someone hurts us, when someone insults us, when someone disrespects us, we want to get even with them because we want everything to be 
be balanced. And God says, that's not what I want for you. I don't want the light to be shining on you. I want it to be shining on my son. I want the light in your life to be shining towards Jesus so that other people can see Jesus in you. And that's, that's different than our culture. Our culture teaches us to be tough. And if someone hurts you, you hurt them back, you know? Someone punches you on the, the playground, man, you stand up and, and you punch them back if they deserve it, you know what I mean? Like we teach our kids to do that. And then when we grow up, when someone disrespects us, we in turn want to get even with people. But Jesus says, I want you to be different. Go back to Luke chapter six, verse 29. He says this, if someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Now, he, he goes on and gives another example of being disrespected. And he uses this, this phrase here of a, of a coat and a shirt, at least in the New Living Translation here. But in some versions, you might have heard uh, a, a cloak and a tunic, okay? So the cloak was your jacket. It was the outer garment that people wore all the time. And then your, your tunic is the, the, the undergarment. It's the thing that's right next to your skin. Well, what is that called today? It's your underwear, man. <laughs> okay, it's just your underwear, okay? And Jesus is saying, hey, if someone takes your coat, just give me your underwear, okay? I mean, it's kind of weird. Let me explain, okay? So, so back then, okay, the, the coat was such an important part of your life that it was so big and so important, and people were so poor during that time that sometimes the coat was the most prized possession that people had. It was an important possession because it, it protected you in the weather. Um, it's what you always wore around. It's what you actually um, slept in at night. It was like your blanket. And back in Old Testament law, they made it illegal to sue someone for their coat because it was, it was so important to them. I mean, in fact, look, look back in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 22. Here's what the Bible says. If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a moneylender would. And if you take your neighbor's cloak as security for a loan, you must return it before sunset. You can't keep it. You got to give it back. And it goes on and says this, this coat may be the only blanket your neighbor has. And how can a person sleep without it? Saying, hey, it's really important. And Jesus says, hey, was something that important? If someone takes that from you, if someone sues you for it, you give everything to them. What Jesus is saying is for Christians... We're to give even when it hurts, you know? When it hurts to give, we should still do it. And I love this about Jesus, that he doesn't just tell us to do things, he shows us. Because didn't Jesus give even when it hurts, right? Didn't he love us unconditionally? Didn't he give all of himself when we didn't deserve it? He absolutely did, and he says, I want you to do the same. But I want you to, to, to recognize something here. Does a friend sue another friend? Like a, a real friend? Probably not. So in this story of, of this Jesus is giving this example of a cloak and a tunic and someone asks for it or, or takes it from you, he's talking about your enemies. He's talking about people who would sue you to try to take something from you. It's, it's talking about people in conflict. 
And so in our lives, who is the person that you're in conflict with? Is it an ex-friend who has wronged you? Is it an ex-spouse that you just, you just can't get along with? Is it a family member who won't speak to you and you haven't talked in a long time? Is it a business partner who has, who has robbed you and therefore has robbed your family of, of their finances? Is it a boss who has fired you? Is it a teacher or a coach who has called you out in the front of all your friends and your coworkers and it just embarrassed you? Or is, is it a neighbor who keeps yelling at your kids for walking in their yard? And you just like, you just can't get along with them. And you, you drive by them every day and you just kind of got this, oh, you're just mad at them for whatever situation is going on. And Jesus is saying, hey, you give to them. Like literally, you take the love and the blessing that God has given you, you take it all off and you go and you put it on them because you love them. Even in the middle of that situation, you love them. But let me go one step further, because we're talking about like kind of enemies here in this situation. Do you know that sometimes those you live with are just gonna tick you off, right? I mean, the people you live with, I mean, they're just gonna, they're gonna make you mad. And like, man, that's one of my specialties. It's one of my spiritual gifts is just, you know, making my family mad. Um, this is what I do. And so, and so I walk into the house and I'll, I'll just say something stupid. And I think I'm really, really funny. And like, no one laughs at me. For example, I've got some dad, dad jokes. I want to see if these land with you guys, okay? So I say he's my family sometimes. And in fact, I told these to my wife and she, earlier and she just like, oh, you know, okay, here we go. Think, see how these go. This is just who I am. Where do you find a cow with no legs? No. Oh. Wherever you left it, okay? All right, that's dumb. Um, how was Rome split in two? With a pair of Caesars. Okay, that's terrible. Okay, all right, this is, this, is a, this is a good one for my generation. How do you follow Will Smith in the snow? You follow the Fresh Prince. You remember that one. That's a good one. That one's free today. All right, here's a good one. Why haven't, why haven't aliens visited our solar system yet? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they looked at the reviews, only one star. That is terrible, right? Those are dad jokes, and those are awful. How many of you guys have someone in your family who's just like, oh, my goodness? Like, they just kind of get on your nerves sometimes, right? Okay, I'm, I'm that person in my family. I'll admit it. But um, I was reading through uh, the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. Have you ever read this? It's a, it's a great um, kind of, it's a fake fictional story between two demons, and they're writing, one's writing a letter to the other, and Screwtape screw is the uncle. He's like a higher demon, and his nephew, his name is Wormwood, crazy names. Uh, Wormwood is, is trying to influence this brand new Christian, okay? And here's what he says. This is kind of interesting. He says this. When two humans have lived together for many years, it usually happens that each has tones of voice and expressions of face which are almost unendurably irritating to the other. Amen? Okay? You know what I'm talking about? He says, he says this to him. He says, work on that. Bring fully into the consciousness of your patient that particular lift of his mother's eyebrows, which he learned to dislike in the nursery. And let him think how much he dislikes it. Let him assume that she knows how annoying it is and does it to annoy him. And, of course, never let him suspect that he has tones and looks which similarly annoy her. We do that, don't we? Are there other believers in your life that just tick you off? That just make you mad? We are the house of God. 
We are what the Bible says, the body of Christ. And not only are we supposed to love our enemies, but we're supposed to love each other. Here's what we need to do. We need to pursue peace with other Christians. Sometimes we're just going to make each other mad. Sometimes it's a family member, but as, a, as Christians, we are all in this family together, and sometimes we're just going to make each other mad. But we're supposed to pursue peace with other Christians. John 13, 35 teaches us this. Jesus says, your love for one another. It's gonna to prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not, not in how much you read your Bible, okay? Not in how many, how many verses you have memorized, not in your attendance in Sunday school. Jesus says, the way that people are gonna know that you are one of my disciples is how you treat each other. And so not only do we, when we talk about loving mercy, not only do we need to be dealing with that with the, with the enemies in our lives, but with our friends, with our fellow Christians. We need to pursue peace at all costs. So here is, here's my call to action. As you've listened to this message, are there or is there someone in your life who you've been thinking about that the Holy Spirit is, has brought up in your life, in your thoughts that you're in conflict with? Is it a neighbor, family member, friend, classmate? Are you in conflict with them? Let me ask this in a deeper way. Are you in conflict with God? Like, or is there anybody in this room who would say, you know what? Me and God, we just, we just don't get along. Like, I've, I've been running from him. I mean, I'm in conflict with, the, with him. Maybe today is the day you need to surrender that and say, you know what? I need a relationship with you. We'd love to talk with you about what that looks like here in a second. It was we finish what it looks like to have a relationship with Christ. Because, man, that is the most important thing and important decision you can make. And maybe some of you in this room would say, you know what? I've been in conflict with God because, because I've, not, I've not been in, in fellowship with other believers. I'm trying to do this Christian life all by myself or by all, our family's trying to do it all by ourselves. And maybe today is the day that you need to say, you know what? I need to be... A, a part of something bigger. I need to be in fellowship with other believers who can help me. We would love to sit down and talk with you about what it looks like to have a relationship together as a church, to become a member of Central, to be a part of this body of, of believers. Maybe you're in conflict with God and you need to kind of fix that today. There's just angst in your soul and you need to, you need to deal with that today. But for a lot of us, maybe, maybe we just have conflict with, with people in our lives. Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend? Maybe it's just a, a downright, flat out, it's just an enemy that you have. Someone, I'm not gonna pray for that person. They're, on, they're not on my prayer list. I do not want what's best for them. I want God to give them what they deserve. And here's how this looks like in our lives. We take this, I've been holding this up here. We take this, this rock, and in the first century, this rock was really important. People would show just how much they disliked someone by using this rock. In fact, this was the best way for them to say, I hate you. So little kids, when they, did, they disagreed with someone, they would take rocks. In a young age, they would throw rocks at each other. When someone would come into town that people didn't want there, when someone was different than them, they would take these rocks and throw it at them and say, you are not welcome here. 
And ultimately, the, the best way or the most, most serious way that they would show their hatred is they would stone people to death as a form of capital punishment, saying, I hate you. And my question for all of us this morning is, do you have a rock in your hand? Is there someone in your life where your relationship is just messed up? There's hatred. Now, when I want to ask this, that you would pray and say, you know what, God? Help me to love them. Help me to love mercy in that relationship. Help me to forgive them. And then I want you to do this, just metaphorically, kind of in, in your heart today. So I want you to take that rock, I want you to set it down. I want you to put it down in your heart and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, i got to do something different. I want you to put that rock down, and then I want you to do something. I want you to do something about it. Maybe you need to go to that person, and you need to have that tough conversation. Maybe you need to go to them and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to go even a step further and do something radical for them, like give them a gift that they don't deserve. Maybe you need to brag on them in public in front of other people just to show that, hey, I care about you. I mean, that could, that could change relationship, relationships like crazy if you would do that. Maybe you need to go and have that text with a family member that you haven't talked to in a really long time because you're waiting for them to text you back like it's their turn or something, you're right? And you need to be the bigger person and you need to love them. That is what Jesus is saying. Love people who are different than you. Love people who you have conflict with. And love your fellow believer because that is what he has done for us. This is what Micah is saying. Love mercy. Don't just act justly, but you need to love. Even when they don't deserve it. Let's do that this week. Let's be different, okay? Let's be different. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the love that we have from you. And God, we don't deserve it at all. We don't deserve the love that you give us. But God, you give it to us freely. And so God, I, I just, I pray that we would recognize that, that we would feel the weight of that, that we would not walk around feeling as Christians that we are unloved by you, but God, that it would be just such a deep weight, the, the love and mercy that you've given us. And God, that, that we would take that and we would put it on other people. That we would realize that, that we are the worst of sinners. And yet you still loved us. So God, I pray this, this prayer this morning. Help us, God, to see the people in our lives who we have disagreement with, who we would call our enemies. Maybe it's someone we used to love and we don't any longer because something has happened. There's a, a break, a wall, a divide in the relationship. And God, maybe it's not even our fault. Maybe it's all on them. But God, you called us to be different. And we say thank you so much that Jesus was different, that he he didn't deserve to die, but he died for us. So God, I pray that you'd help us to love like Jesus. I know there's people on our minds right now that you've put on our minds who we need to love. God, help us to put our rocks down and quit saying I hate you through our gossip towards them. We quit say, saying, I hate you through, through the way that we treat them, the way that we ignore them, 
the sly comments we, we make towards them is not loving, and we know it. Help us, God, to love mercy, to shine the light of Jesus in our relationships, even when it's difficult. Help us, God, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.